0: So, the Lord has a very, very special word for you today. The Lord says to you today, He says, I am the apple maker, I am the apple giver, and I have great and very precious promises and plans for your life. But don't trade the apple for the plan that I have for your life. Instead, come to me. Make friends with me, the apple maker. Make friends with me with your whole heart. I want you to reflect my righteousness. I want you to reflect my peace. And I want you to reflect my joy in your life. Don't make friends with the apple. Make friends with me. I'm the apple maker. I have so much more for you. You know, David, he prayed this beautiful prayer and we get to have a little sneak peek at this beautiful little interaction he had with God from Psalm 17. David says to God, he says, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Now, that's a beautiful little phrase that we sometimes use. So if I was to say, Heike is the apple of my eye, I would say she is so precious to me. She is so beautiful to me. I am just so in love with her. She is just the love of my life. And this term, apple, of of someone's eye is an old English term where they used to look at the pupil of someone's eye and say, you know, that's kind of round like a piece of fruit, like an apple. And you see, when I look at Heike, I can see a tiny little reflection of me in the pupil of her eye. And, you know, David is praying... Lord, when you look at me in my eyes, I want you to see a reflection of yourself in my eyes. I want to be the apple of your eye, God. Keep me as the apple of your eye. It's keep me because we are the apple of his eye. Don't stray. Keep me there, God. I want to be that beautiful, special person for you. Keep me as the apple of your eye. David goes on. He says, hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who are out to destroy me. They're like a lion hungry for prey, like a fierce lion crouching for cover. See, he recognises there's a danger. He may not be kept as the apple of God's eye. You know, first Peter talks about the devil being a lion praying. He's out looking to pray. He wants so much for us not to be the apple of God's eye. He wants to distract us. Make friends with the apple. See, the apple's nice. Stay away from the apple giver. You see, he's roaming. And do you know where he's roaming? He goes for the jugular. He goes for your heart. You see, he wants so much for you to stay away from God, the apple maker. And you know, he is deceptive to the core, to the absolute core. You see, sin is absolutely deceptive. It's fraudulent. It is cunning. It is there to trick you. Because you know what sin wants to do? Sin wants to wound. Sin wants to dismember. Sin wants to disfigure. And sin wants to destroy those very plans that God has for you. Don't underestimate what sin wants to do in your life. It's nasty, nasty, nasty. It is deceptive and it is cunning. It will present itself as something as innocent as an apple. Don't fall for the deceptive core in the apple. The deceptive core is sin. And don't underestimate. Its goal is to wound, to dismember, to disguise itself and to destroy you. And it's deceptive. You may not recognize it at first. No wonder, David says, keep me under your wing. He says, it's like a lion is hungry for prey. That same lion in the Old Testament is the same lion of the New Testament. It's the devil. He's out and he is going for your heart. David continues, he says, as for me, I will be vindicated and I will see your face when I awake. I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. He's saying, when you look at me, God, I'll be only satisfied when you can see yourself in me. When I'm like you, that's what he's going to be satisfied with and nothing else. Don't think you're going to get satisfaction in life from all these apples that you can collect. It's a deception. The only satisfaction we're ever going to get in life is when we become more and more like the apple giver, not the apple. So we can learn something from David's beautiful, beautiful prayer. We can learn that the plan and purpose of God is for you and I to live out the plan and purpose that he has for us. And to do that, he has to do some work to restore something that we lost. In the garden. So, we're starting a new series. We're starting a series called Friendship with God. And Friendship with God is going to be an absolutely beautiful series. Do not miss one sermon in this series. The reason it's so important is because we're going straight for the core of a beautiful life with Jesus and a beautiful friendship with Jesus. Something close, something intimate, something satisfying not something dry, not something deceptive, not the fake stuff that the world is offering you. No, Jesus is offering something so much better, something beautiful, a beautiful friendship with him. It is so precious. So this whole sermon is going to say, how can we have that beautiful, intimate, close relationship with you, Lord? Not just a casual acquaintance where sometimes I say hi to you every so often when I'm in trouble. How can we have something really so precious with you, Lord Jesus? And we're going to say, there's a beautiful friendship that we can have with you if we learn from the friendships that we have with people. What do I do with my friends to make it closer? Well, I probably spend more time with my friends. I probably make sure I'm in close proximity with my friends. I probably disclose something about myself to my friends. And I'm asking questions and I want them to disclose themselves to me. That's what builds intimacy, not a casual, hi, how are you going, God, catch you next Sunday. There's some beautiful things that we can do to build our relationship with God, just like we build our relationships with one another. And that's what this series is going to be all about. How do we build that connection with God? How do we build something close and satisfying? Not just a God that happens to be out there that sometimes we remember, but a God that we walk with and hold hands with every single day. Watch out. Because there is an amazing plan and purpose that God has for you. And the only way you're going to actually hear that from God is if you are close to Him. You cannot know the plan and purpose for your life from a distance in a superficial relationship. You see, the plan and purpose that you you, you understand about a close friend, they're only going to tell you their innermost thoughts and ideas about what they really want to achieve in life if you're close to them. I'm not going to tell you the innermost thoughts, the plan or purpose in my life, if I don't know you very well. But you know, if I'm close to you, I will probably disclose that to you. And you will probably disclose that to me. It's the same with God. He's saying, get close. Let me tell you this beautiful plan I've got for you. Come closer. It's exciting. The closer you get, the better it gets. But we've got to get close. Can't do that from a distance. So today we're going to talk about friendship with the apple or friendship with the apple maker. That is the core decision we have to make. Before we talk about all these wonderful ways we can get closer to God, you've got to understand that there's all sorts of deceptive friendships available to you that are trying to prowl around in your heart, they want you to be friends with them. They want you to be friends with God. You see, we've really got to understand the difference between a true friendship with God and a worldly friendship with God. Because the world's really happy if you say, yeah, I believe in God, but really in life, my friends are somewhere else. See, the devil will be happy with that. He's got you to compromise, stay in the lukewarm area. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, yeah but my real friends, the people I'm really close to, they're the apples in my life, not the apple giver. So we're going to know what's a true friendship with God and what's a worldly friendship with God. Do you know what a true friendship with God is all about? It is this intimate relationship with God. A true friendship with God is where we share our plans with him and he shares his plans with us and he moulds our plans so they become even better than we could ever do on our own. That's what a true friendship with God is. It is something so beautiful where we really get to talk about what matters in life. Why are you here on this earth? I think that matters. What about a worldly friendship? What does that look like? That's quite different. That's not interested. They're not interested in a close relationship with God. Now, a worldly relationship with God goes something like this. So what are you going to do for me next? It's all about me. Uh, where are my apples, God? Where are the blessings? Come on, speed it up. See, a worldly friendship with God asks the question, what have you done for me lately, God? Where are the blessings, God? Speed it up, God. Because a worldly friendship is all about me and satisfying me. The goal is self-satisfaction. That's the goal of a worldly friendship with God. A true friendship with God is saying, I want to be so close to you that I'm the apple of your eye, that I actually reflect you in my life, that I'm more like you, less of me, more of you. False friendship says, more of me, bring it on, I want more. And self is never satisfied. So that just becomes an ongoing journey where you're never, ever, ever satisfied. David says, come this way. Keep me as the apple in your eye. Then I'll become more like you and really experience satisfaction in this life. Don't be fooled with the, with the false relationship with God. We're looking for true friendship with God, not this false relationship, this faulty, it's a worldly relationship with God. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5.45, he said, you know, God causes something to happen. He causes something to happen in terms of causing the sun to shine on the good and the evil. He also makes the rain fall down on the righteous and the unrighteous. So I can have the sun and I can have the rain and I can go, you know, just based on what I've got, I must be friends with God because he's blessing me. So things must be sweet with God because I got stuff. I got the sun shining on me, I got the rain, things are good. Yeah, I've got a good friendship with God. To see all the blessings I've got. Fool. He says the sun shines on the evil and the good. He says the rain. It comes to the righteous and the unrighteous. Don't look at your friendship with God based on how much you got. He's a loving, immensely patient God. He's a good God that blesses both sometimes. You see, it's not what you hold in your hand. It's who you hold in your heart. It's not what you've got. It's not the stuff. It's not the blessings. The blessings sometimes can be manipulated by the lion who says, yeah, blessing on the outside. Let's see if I can change the core of that apple to actually come and hunt your heart down to satisfy you rather than him. You see, it's the beautiful son of God in your heart that determines a good relationship with God. Not if the sun's shining on you, not if things are going well for you. We're foolish if we think we've got a good friendship with God because we've got stuff. You've just been tricked. So, how do we make sure we don't get tricked? You see, It's really important, like Shireen said, we've really got to understand that God's words count. And what counts the most is your response to his words because he is going to tell you great and precious promises. He's going to tell you beautiful things. And your response can either be, yes, I believe you, God, like Abraham did, and it was credited to him as righteousness, or you can say, did God really say that? Really? Mm, I'm not sure about that. Uh, we know someone that took that approach. In Genesis 3.1, we read, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, mm, Did God really say you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden, from, from any tree in the garden? Really? Is that really what God said? Let's just plant that little seed of doubt in your mind. Are you sure about that? You see, we know that Adam and Eve decided, oh, hmm, from the tree of knowledge. So I don't have to listen to God's words and believe what he says to figure out what's right and wrong and what's not. I can have it all for myself. Oh, he didn't really say that, did he? No, I like this idea of not having to believe you. I can just go straight to knowledge and I've got it all for myself. I can be independent from you, God. I don't need you, God. i got the knowledge. I only wanted you for stuff anyway. So if I don't get knowledge from you, i got the knowledge. Great, I can live independently from God. Great, i got the apple. You see, I'm friends with the apple, not the apple giver. There's a problem, isn't there? There's a problem here. You see... We've got to trust the person who's telling us these great precious promises and plans. If you don't trust him, you'll probably go, oh, I don't know if you really said that. So what happened next? Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You see, that's what happens if we don't believe God if we believe the nasty little serpent because then we realise we've done something wrong and we want to hide from God you see sometimes we take the apple and then we think God is judge I don't want to be friends with the judge that's nasty yakky stuff I think I'll be friends with the apple so I'll just hide from God think I can get away with it oh I've got the apple that's all that matters I've got knowledge but I'll hide from God I don't want to be friends with God. I think I'll be friends with the apple. And that's the choice that we have, you see. We have to understand it's either the apple or the apple maker that we're friends with. But don't forget. Don't, don't forget. Sin is so deceptive. But understand the goal of sin. It wants to wound... It wants to dismember, it wants to disfigure, and it wants to destroy any plan God has for you. And the way he does that is to say, be friends with the apple. Don't be friends with the apple maker, otherwise you may actually believe that God has a plan for you in this life, that there's a purpose for you being in this world. You see, sin wants you to be friends with the apple, not the apple maker. Anything to keep you away from God. Even better, make it a superficial relationship with God. Then you're deceived into thinking you're friends with God when you're not. You just have this worldly relationship that says, come on, God, bring it down. I want more blessings. We've got to be real careful we're not getting deceived. He's cunning. He's deceptive. He's fraudulent. And he's going for your heart big time. He's having a field day in the world. So what are these apples? These apples are the choices that we pick up. Some apples are very, very obvious apples that we shouldn't pick up. So in Galatians 5, the New Testament says to us, the works of the flesh are obvious. Don't pick up those apples. They're obvious. It's obvious, they say, that sexual immorality... Is not a good apple. It's a no go apple. So don't pick up that one. It's obvious that idolatry is a no go apple. Don't pick that one up. It's obvious that hatred is an apple that God does not want you to pick up. It's obvious that fits of rage, drunkenness, orgies, there's all these apples which are obvious apples. They're listed for us in Galatians 5. Don't pick them up. Just like with Adam and Eve, it was an obvious apple. Don't eat from this particular tree, the tree of knowledge. Anyone else but not this one, that's an obvious apple that you shouldn't be picking up. And then there's the innocent apples. The ones which look like they're a good thing. So how are we going to know whether it's an apple we should pick up or whether we should leave it alone? See, what tends to happen is God will bless us with an apple and then he tests us with the apple, with the blessing. You see, the real test is if I give you a blessing, if I give you an apple, will you be friends with the blessing and the gift that I give you or will you stay friends with me, the gift giver, the blessing giver? Let's take an example. Let's say I've picked up the apple called knowledge. Hmm. Doesn't list that in Galatians five, so this is not a no-go zone for apples. Knowledge. Hmm. Okay, apple of knowledge. And let's just say someone comes up to me and says, "So, Liz, I heard you were one of those God squad people, and um, yeah, you're a Christian. So, what difference does that make?" Okay. Knowledge. Here's the test. If I'm friends with the apple, if I'm friends with knowledge, I may see this as an opportunity to say, oh, okay, Uh, self-satisfaction is at the core of a worldly relationship. I love this knowledge. I love me because the knowledge is me. So, oh, you want to know about me being a Christian? Let me tell you, John. You ready? Let me impress you so that I feel good about me and I'll feel self-satisfied about me being looking important with my knowledge because knowledge is my friend. Let me recite 20 scriptures all in a row and impress you to bits. You ready? Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, a peck of pickled peppers, Peter Piper picked. If Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, where's the peck of pickled peppers Peter Piper picked? It's ridiculous, isn't it? That's how it sounds. When people say, are you a Christian? Yes, let me quote you. Magnitudes of script. It sounds like Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. All we've done is said, actually, I don't really have a relationship with God. I've got it with the apple and the knowledge because that makes me look better. Knowledge puffs up. But love edifies. So what if I take the knowledge apple and I say, thank you, Jesus, for some knowledge that I'm not lost in my sin. I have some knowledge. Great So John says to me, oh, I heard you're on the God Squad, blah, 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 blah. Yes. And you know what? The reason I'm different now is because I recognize I stuffed up and there's a way out. There's a way out of just being stuck in my guilt and stuck in this meaningless, dissatisfying life. I actually have this great knowledge that Jesus came to save me from my sin. And I'm free and i got this great thing going with God. It's fantastic and you can have it too. It's open to you too. You see, all of a sudden I'm using knowledge to actually reflect God to this man. Not me and my immense amount of knowledge, but it's God's beautiful knowledge. You see, I can take the apple but keep being friends with God. I hold on to the apple but my hand is in God's hand. You see, we've got to be careful. If you become friends with the apple, the core of that apple, if it's knowledge, is pride. So all you're left with is pride. Let's take another apple. Let's make this one apple of the internet. Okay. So I go to my letterbox, grab all my mail, and there's some junk mail in there. There's a nice big brochure. Great deal! $5 a month for internet access. Tap as much as you want on that keyboard, click on that mouse, five bucks for a month. Wow, internet, five bucks a month. That sounds good. Ooh, the internet. What could I do with the internet? Oh, I think I like the internet. Ah, yes, I can download all those movies, all those shows I've been waiting to watch. Oh, there's so many good shows on TV, so meaningful and satisfying and everything. Oh, great, I can look at all of them. All those, oh, fantastic. This is going to be so good. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. I think I'm satisfied with me. This is good. It's going to feel good. And guess what? I'm feeling the peace. Oh, finally peace. Internet, whenever I want it, five bucks a month. I've just made friends with the apple called the internet. I don't have to, though. I don't have to do that. There's another way. I can pick up the brochure out of the letterbox and I can say, wow, five bucks, all the internet I can get for a month. Thank you, Jesus, for this blessing because all blessings come from you, the blessing giver, the apple giver. Ah, oh, wonder why God would have put that in my letterbox. Ah, uh, huh. I could actually take this deal. There's all these great Bible resources on the internet and I could get to know you more, God. I could build my friendship with you. What a great thing I could do. Thank you so much, God. I have this opportunity to spend more time in your word using all these great Bible study tools on the internet. Yes! I can find out more about you. I can build my relationship with you. I can find out what all those words are in the Bible that I've never been able to understand all this time using Bible dictionaries online. Yes! So we have a choice what we do with the apple, with the blessing that we get. But be careful. Be very careful because the core of this little apple that is really wanting to entice you with the internet and every other form of pleasure in this life is it's wanting you to think that you've got peace from sitting in front of the internet. Ah, I feel comfortable, a life of ease. Ah, but it's a false peace. It's a temporary peace. Be careful. Sin is deceptive. It comes in the form of an innocent brochure in your postbox. One more. What could be the third apple? Apple. Hmm, well, maybe this one could be the apple of money. Okay, what could I do with money? Do you know this week, have you been, well, you couldn't have not missed all the stuff in the news about the budget? Budget this, budget that, budget this, budget that. Bottom line message seems to be we're going to give you less money and ask you for more money. So, less payments, more taxes. So, I can pick up this apple of money, I can listen to the news, and I can go, oh, I'm actually receiving a social welfare payment from the government at the moment. Oh, what's that other news? As well, they're slashing jobs. Part of the budget is they're actually slashing jobs at the Australian Tax Office. And do you know which jobs they're slashing? They're slashing jobs from the people that work at the Australian Tax Office who actually check to see that people aren't actually being inaccurate in what they're telling the government. So they're slashing those jobs. So I hear that. I'm looking at the apple thinking, you know, I'm only getting $28 from the government and um, they're slashing all that money and they said they weren't going to have taxes, now they've got taxes. And um, hmm." And they're getting rid of the people that are checking to see whether or not I tell them the truth. So I'm earning all this income over here. So I don't actually have to tell them about that income because there's less people checking. Ooh, yeah, I like money. That's what I'm going to do. With that news that I've heard, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just, I'm going to get away with it now. Yes. Put those forms in. Get the money from the side. Don't need to declare that. Happy, happy, happy times. Solves my problems. I got more money for me, me and me. You see, i am just made friends with an apple called money. But there's another response. I can pick up the apple, I can pick up money, I can watch the news, I can listen to the budget and I can say, oh, this is going to be tough for me because I'm only getting $28 from the government here. You know, this is, this is, Im- this is really... This is an important thing the government's done here But God says to me, because I'm holding on to God's hand and he's a friend that I trust and I believe his word and he says, you actually need to obey the governing authorities and pray for the governing authorities like Jerome did this morning. I need to pray for them, that they make good decisions. They're in a powerful position to make big decisions about the budget. I need to pray for them to make sure that they're following what God wants them to do. And you know what? My neighbour... She's going to be in a worse position than me as a result of this budget. Maybe I'll go and talk to her. Maybe there's some way I can actually find a way to save some money to give to her because she's actually going to be worse off than me. Bingo. All of a sudden, I've started thinking, this money is not about me. Maybe I can look at this money of Apple and say, God, what's, what's money all about? You give the money. You don't want me to love money. You want me to love you. And you're all about thinking about other people, not just me. You came, you sent your son to earth to solve other people's problems called sin problems. You see, the core of this apple, if you let it deceive you, is all about greed. It's all about, I'll solve my own problems. That's what that apple's all about. That's at the core of this apple. It's called, I'll worry about my problems and don't worry about anybody else. You see, we've got, a whole range of apples that are wanting to be friends with us. And why do we make friends with them? You see, we forget that God's word is true. That if we hold on to what God says, we won't be lured by the apples. He says... I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you plans, to give you hope and a future. I don't need all these apples to give me a hope and a future. I don't need to do it all myself. I don't need to grab the apples to make sure I have a satisfying life. He's got a much better plan for you. You see, God is saying to you today so, so clearly... I am the apple giver. I am the apple maker. I have great plans for your life. Don't trade the great plans I have for your life for an apple. Come and seek me. I want to tell you the plans. Come and seek a friendship with me, a really close friendship with me. And then you can reflect me in your life. You can reflect my righteousness. You can reflect my peace. You can reflect my joy. They're all for you. But only if we hold on to the apple maker, not the apple. 2 Peter 1 verses 4 and 5 says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share, which in the Greek means to partner, to associate, a comrade, a companion, to have friendship with his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. You see, he says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. You've got a plan and purpose for my life. I'm going to respond to you, the apple maker, not the blessings that I have in front of me. It's you I want to hold hands with. It's not holding on to something that you've given me and think that that's going to satisfy me and that's going to be the plan and purpose for my life. I've just been jinxed. James 4, four says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity or hostility against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Here's the choice. You can be a friend with the apple maker or you can be friend with temporal things in the world called the internet. Temporal things in the world that won't satisfy. This idea of world... Is the sum of temporal possessions And do you know the problem with taking the apple And the temporal possessions They actually become obstacles To the plan and purpose of Jesus And the cause of Christ His plan for you These get in the way Of you having a friendship with the apple maker You see the kingdom of God is not about eating apples Seeing how you can satisfy yourself With worldly things that are temporal No, no, no It's a matter of righteousness. It's a matter of peace. It's a matter of joy in the Holy Spirit. These are fruits of the Spirit. We're not meant to be apple eaters. We're meant to be apple producers, fruit producers. But you know, you can look at righteousness, peace and joy and go, oh, that's sort of boring, boring biblical terms, aren't they? No one says righteousness, peace and joy in everyday talk. You don't sit there and go, oh, great. This is fantasticness. Fantastic, righteousness, peace or joy This is exciting We go, yay to the internet I've got free internet or $5 a month Or yay to something that's temporal He's saying, you're missing it all Here it is in my word Did God really say righteousness, peace and joy? See, we can flick it just like that And say, I don't really get that stuff It sounds a bit boring and old-fashioned anyway So I'll just go for what I can see Those things seem a bit vague I don't know what he's talking about anyway It's easy to flick the beautiful word of God, the plans and purposes of his life is in his word. We're missing it. So the apple or the apple maker? There's a lot riding on going for the apples, especially if we've taken an apple or two and we think God is just our judge. You see, Adam and Eve hid from God because they took an apple and thought, I don't want to be friends with a judge. We get ourselves into a pickle when we take the apple and think friendship with the apple maker is a bit scary. He's going to judge me because I've sinned. And we know what God does with sin because He's a holy God. He must punish sin. We know what He did to the city of Sodom, don't we? Sodom and Gomorrah. And the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality, an obvious apple, and perversion, maybe not so obvious. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. You see, we know what happens if we befriend the apple, if we have friendship with the world. We know God is a holy, holy God and he must punish sin. We know that. If we see God as only a punisher and only as a judge, we're going to go for the apple and we're going to hide from God. We won't want to get close to God. So what did Sodom actually do? Must have been really bad stuff, hey? Let's have a look. It tells us, the Bible will tell us, all we have to do is ask. In Ezekiel chapter 16, 49 to 50, we read, Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. Here's what Sodom did. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. You see, they did take some of the obvious apples, sexual immorality, But some of these sins are familiar to us too, aren't they? They're the same deceptive apples that got people in Sodom that are getting people today. The first apple was arrogance. Nah, I don't need God. It's all about me making me look good. It's pride. There's a core in apples today that are being presented to you that are trying to appeal to your pride. You see, sin is very devious. Sin is sin. It's the same yesterday, today, and God's in charge of tomorrow. But right now, we've got to deal with the apples that are presenting themselves to us with the core of sin, with the core of pride. You see, it got Sodom, the people of Sodom. They picked up this apple and became friends with arrogance and pride and it's all about me and exalting me. You see, friendship with God is all about exalting him. What did Sodom do next? Overfed and unconcerned. They had a kind of false peace too, didn't they? Because their land was very fruitful. They had amazing amount of fruit. They could just fill themselves and had lots left over. They were so content, they could lie back, put their feet up. Ah, peace, full tummy. See, the internet does that for us today. We say, oh, great, fantastic, this is really good, I'm feeling really content, oh, finally, some peace in front of the internet. Are we friends with the apple or the apple maker? You see, if we become friends with the apple, it leads us to this place of false peace. The third sin for Sodom, they didn't help the poor and needy, they had so much There was so much available to them. They overfed themselves, looked after their own problems. Other people that need help, other people that need food, nah, we just look after ourselves. After all, it's all about me, isn't it? Isn't that what money presents itself to us today all about? Just look after me. I don't really need to worry about anyone else's problems, do I? It's all about me after all. You see... Friendship with this apple means that we're just concerned about our own problems. Friendship with God says, I blessed you so you could be a blessing to others. We've got to be careful we don't fall into the same traps that Sodom fell into. See, I think we think about the city of Sodom and think, they were really bad. Yes, God, go punish them. And they were. But are we being deceived with the same deceptions? It's the same lion roaring around, wanting to take us away from a friendship with God. So we're back to this choice yet again. Apple or the apple maker? Adam and Eve decided they wanted the apple for themselves. The people of Sodom decided they wanted the apple for themselves too. What will we choose? How will we choose? Is there somebody else? Is there another way? Along comes Abraham to the scene. Abraham shows us a way out of this deceptive place where we can get caught. You see, Abraham knows that God is a holy God, he's a just God, and he won't let sin go unpunished. So he knows that about God. But is there more to God than just a holy God that punishes sin? And that's what Abraham did in Genesis chapter 18, verses 16 to 33. Now, if you have a Bible, open it. If you don't have a Bible, you've got an opportunity to move, jump out of your seat, go and sit next to someone and look at the words. I want you to interact with God's word. I want you to interact with him. As we read this account of Abraham coming to God, God is, Abraham's saying, I know God is a just God and he punishes sin. He has another question. I think he's thinking, is there more to God than just God as judge? God is just, God is fair, but is God kind as well? Read with me. If you want to move, jump up and move. Now notice what Abraham and God do that is characteristic of what a true close friendship is all about. Notice what God does. Notice what Abraham does. So let's start. Genesis 18, starting at verses 16. Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said... Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Stop right there. Remember, this is what good friends do. They tell you about what they're doing. God is actually telling Abraham what he is doing. He's about to tell him the plan and purposes for his life. And here it is. Verse 18, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it, that has come to me, and if not, I will know. So stop there. He's saying, okay, I'm a holy God. If they're sinning, then I need to punish that, but I'm going to go down and see for myself. I'm going to check to make sure. Verse 22, Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood before the Lord, and Abraham came near. Now listen how at this point Abraham probes God. He's trying to see, is there more to God than just God the judge? Is there a merciful God? So Abraham came near and said, verse 23, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? I want you to count how many times he asks this question. He really wants to know, I know your God is judge. Are you a loving God? Are you a compassionate God? I know you have to punish those that sin, but will you save the righteous? That's his question. Count how many times he asks. Verse 24. Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it for you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord said, If I find Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Stop right there. Notice that he's humbling himself before the Lord And this is something that's different about our friendship with God Than it is with each other You see, we have an equal relationship This is a very unequal relationship He is a perfect, holy, loving, mighty God Abraham is recognising that He's humbling himself before God He wants so much to have a friendship with God He doesn't want to offend God So let's keep going so verse 28, suppose there were five less than the 50 righteous. Would you destroy all of the city for lack of five? So he said, if I find there 45, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there should be 40 found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. Oh, he doesn't give up, Abraham. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. But once more, suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. So stop there. How many times did Abraham ask this question? Six times. Did it feel repetitive? It's like, God, will you destroy it if there's 50? God, will you destroy it if there's this many? He's looking to see, is there a God who will save the righteous as well as punishing the unrighteous? God is saying, yes, 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 six times. He's letting him know, you can be a friend with me because yes, I will punish the unrighteous, but I will save the righteous. Verse 33, so the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham and Abraham returned to his place. So we have a very important answer to the question, is God more than just a judge who will judge the wicked, who will judge the unrighteous? We have an answer. God says, yes, six times, I will save the righteous. But there's a question here, isn't there? Will he save you? Have you picked up the apple of pride, exalted yourself over God? Have you picked up the apple of false peace? Looked for peace from temporary possessions in the world instead of your peace from God? Have you picked up this apple, which is greed, really worrying about your own problems instead of somebody else's? Because we know these are the same apples that the people of Sodom picked up. So we have a problem here because you see we have all picked up these apples God's word said that all have sinned and he must punish sin he must punish the unrighteous but he said to Abraham six times I will save the righteous we so need his righteousness so we can be saved from our sin you see, there's a way out of this dilemma. Deception's the core of the apples, but love is the core of the gospel message. And it's his righteousness he pours onto you when you believe what he did on the cross for you. There's a way out of this dilemma of picking up the apples. There's a way out in terms of being saved from our sin. He's saying, Trust me, I am going to send my son for you. He is fully righteous. The punishment you deserve for picking up all those wrong apples, I'm going to lay on him on the cross. He's going to pay the punishment so you don't have to hide from me. I'm a judge and I judge the sin onto Jesus and he takes it for you. And in the process, Jesus says, here, here's my righteousness. You can stand before God as a righteous person with the right standing with God. He won't judge you. He's put his sin onto me. This is such a beautiful message of the gospel. It's the core of the gospel. You have a right standing. You are righteous in front of this mighty God. And now that you have this right standing with God, you can do what Abraham did. He stood close with God. He came near to God. He had a friendship with God. He was the only one in the Old Testament who was called a friend. That's significant. You can too. It says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He didn't do what Adam and Eve said. Oh, did God really say? Did God really send his son? Did that really happen? Really, was Jesus the Son of God? Did God really do that? Is that really speaking to me? We're saying, Thank you, God, for sending your Son for us. Yes, this is a way out of our dilemma. You're going to give us His righteousness. We can stand in Your presence. We don't have to hide from You because we've said, We have sinned. We are sorry. Thank you for dying on the cross for us and taking our place. And you know what? If we picked up an apple this morning, we can come back to God and say, I repent, I am sorry, I have sinned. I don't want to hide from you anymore. Please, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I need your righteousness so I can stand with you and get closer to you and be even better friends with you. And then you can tell me those beautiful plans and purposes for my life. And I can talk to you like a beautiful friend and not hide from you. We have something so precious. So, so very precious from the cross. And do you know what? Instead of these, we have the opposite. It's not pride in what we've done, but righteousness from him. Thank you, Jesus. It's not anything about a false peace. It's a real peace that he gives you in your heart. And as for this, this is this isn't worrying about me. This is joy. This is all about this beautiful joy from entering into the plan and purposes of God. And that's to actually love the other. Jesus came to love us. Let's stand. Oh, Lord Jesus, we just love you so much. Lord Jesus, we don't want to hide from you anymore. Lord Jesus, we just want to reach out to you and say thank you for what you did on the cross for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that while our sin has taken us away from you, Lord Jesus, you have provided a way out for us. Lord Jesus, we come back to you today. We say we're sorry, Lord Jesus, for being friends with the temporal stuff in the world. Lord Jesus, forgive us for that. Help us, Lord Jesus. Cover us again with your blood. Give us your righteousness so we can stand with you, so we can stand near with you, so we can build this beautiful friendship that you want with us. Help us to get closer and closer and closer with you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we have your righteousness, Lord Jesus, so we can be close to you. We don't want to run away anymore, Lord Jesus. We thank you for these beautiful plans, these beautiful purposes that you have for us in our life. Lord Jesus, we want to enter into these plans and purposes. We want to be the apple of your eye, Lord Jesus. We so want to be more like you, Lord. Help us, hold us, Lord Jesus. Keep us safe under your wing. Lord Jesus, remind us every day that there is something very precious and purposeful that you have planned for our life. Help us to believe it, Lord. Help us to expect it, Lord. Help us to wait for it, Lord. Help us to reach out to you and hold hands with you. Lord Jesus, we ask this in your precious and holy name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.